Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Intermittent fasting is a tool used by many runners to manage body composition. Today we're reviewing our most downloaded episode since we started back in April 2020. It was called Episode 18, Intermittent Fasting and the Female Runner. And we thought that some of you might find this information really helpful at this time of year in helping you get back on track with your healthy routines following the indulgences of Christmas. So we hope you enjoy it and look forward to seeing you in the new year. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome back. I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen and uh, it's almost the night before Christmas. So Karen, before we introduce our topic, um, with Christmas in mind, I was just wondering if you'd be open to sharing what you're going to be doing over Christmas and, and what will you be eating? Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. I know I can't believe it's so close to Christmas. Um, Well, now that we're almost there, my son is back home from university, which is really lovely. I have to say, I do love having him around. And I think his sister's pleased to see him as well. I'm not too sure. But anyway, uh, Christmas Day, we will spend with Fraser, so my husband's parents, as we tend to spend alternate Christmases. So one year it's one set of parents, the the next year it's the other. But then after that, we are hoping to go skiing, but it it is still a bit undecided, I have to say. Um, And we do tend to do most things last minute. So we might find that we don't get away at all, but but we do hope to, to be able to go away. And, uh, and and actually thinking about our eating on Christmas Day, um, everybody except me will be having the traditional turkey meal. That's what everybody likes in, in my family. However, um, as you know, everybody knows that I'm vegetarian. So I have made a nut roast for myself, which I'm really looking for, forward to. And in fact, I decided on making that following our episode on festive food sailing because you made that um, that nut roast sound really, really um, tasty. So, so that's what I've made for myself. And um, 
I will eat the vegetable trimmings that that goes with the the, the main meal, um, and that everybody else will be having. And then my dessert will be Christmas pudding, small portion, but Christmas pudding with ice cream because I love that combination of hot and cold. But how about you, Aileen? Where will you be, and what will you be eating? Well, I'm glad my recommendations hit the spot for you, Karen, and my mouth was just thinking about it. Um, So, yeah, this year we're having a Christmas Eve get-together with friends, so that's going to be the main event, really. Um, So my sister and I will cook, um, and it'll be quite informal. Um, We'll prepare a a lovely meal, and we we do like cooking together, um, which is fun, and usually we do, um, we'll serve it sort of buffet-style, because there's too many people to sit around the table um it's something we've done for a few years and it's just really nice because friends and family can get together and then everybody can go off and have their own christmas day um so we we start usually around about five in the early evening um so that's when christmas starts for us christmas eve you know four five o'clock um and i love uh all the foodie planning for christmas and, and i buy loads of uh, food magazines um, which are all focusing on Christmas at this time of year so I get quite a lot of inspiration from from that when I'm menu planning um, so this year um, I, you know always I think for everybody you've always got a mixture of people who you know eat different things but this year we're doing a venison casserole with roasted roots and for the vegetarians um well, actually, I got this idea a bit from you because you talked about doing a, well, uh, a Wellington. So I'm mm. doing a chestnut and pistachio filo Wellington. Um, so it's quite luxurious. Um, it's made with mushrooms, um, cream cheese, uh, cranberries, and then, of course, the chestnut and pistachio. So um, and then it's Amy, can, I come, can I come to you for Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds delicious. If you a slice. Well, it can be eaten at any time of the year. <laughs> Yes. I'm yes. hoping there's going to be some left over actually because I think the nice thing is having leftovers the next day yes. um, but sometimes you don't make enough or people go back for seconds and because it's Christmas Eve you have to be generous and not mind Absolutely. <laughs> um, now we've got a, a lovely friend who always brings dessert so that helps and we usually have a big cheese board so it's really nice to to do that and um, and then on Christmas day It'll be more informal. We'll be sort of a late breakfast brunch, a big walk, weather permitting, and a very easy early dinner. So usually two meals on Christmas Day, sort of a brunch and a, an early dinner. Um, we're not going too traditional this year. We're making a monkfish tagine um, as a sort of a, an alternative to the more traditional meal the day before. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it. Yes, yeah, I like that idea of having a non-traditional meal on Christmas Day. Mm. <laughs> okay, so now that I've drifted off into foodie kitchen yes. talk, I need to bring myself back and uh, introduce our topic today, uh, which is actually a topic review. So um, because we're, we're nearing the end of the year, uh, we we decided to have a little look back through our back catalogue of episodes and, and just see which ones were the most popular. Um, and can you believe, Karen, that since we, we started um, the podcast, we've actually released over 90 episodes since April 2020, 92 to be exact. Right. And, um, and we've reached over 21,000 downloads, which is very exciting. And uh, 
Well, I think it's quite an achievement, really. So uh, thank you to Karen for doing this with me. And also thank you to everyone who listens and for all your loyal following. It really motivates us to keep going. Uh, Yes, absolutely. I I, I would second what you've said, Aileen. Thank you to everybody for being loyal and for following us. And uh, yeah, thank you for being a great co-host, Aileen. Oh, gosh, feeling the love, feeling the love. Yes, (laughs) Anyway, so to date, um, the all-time, this is really surprising, but the all-time most popular episode um, is episode 18, which was um, about intermittent fasting and the female runner. Um, So it must be a topic that is on everybody's mind. Mm -hmm. So um, we thought it would be a good idea to review this episode um, today and just include some updates from current research, if that's if there is any. Um, I've left that one to Karen, so you can uh, you can <laughs> tell us what you found. Um, so what we're going to do is just pull out the key highlights from episode 18, um, and then uh, introduce some new in- information from recent studies, and also uh, give some tips on including fasting in your daily life and also your training life Uh, and it might be timely to talk a bit about this now because it might actually help um, people getting back on track with healthy eating routines following the indulgences of Christmas Um, and as we know it's it's a busy time Uh, you probably well maybe you're listening to as well you're doing some Christmas gift wrapping or making some food um but we're going to try and make this short so that you can get back to all your Christmas preparations so Karen let's get started um would you start with just pulling out some of the key highlights from that episode 18 yeah absolutely so the key things I think I wanted to pull out from that episode Aileen is that the the there are various different approaches um, to fasting, which fall into three different categories, which are intermittent calorie restriction, alternate day fasting, and time-restricted feeding. Now, the intermittent calorie restriction includes the likes of the 5 to 2 um, and the, the fast 800 approaches. Now, the 5 to 2 is where you eat 500 to 600 calories on two days a week and eat to normal energy requirements, really, depending on on, um, how much exercise you're doing on the other five days. Now, the other type of intermittent calorie fast um, restriction, so that fast 800, is where you eat 800 calories every day for up to 12 weeks until you reach the ideal body composition. So, and those are the ICR, so the intermittent calorie restriction approaches. And then the alternate day fasting is when one day you eat to normal energy requirements, and then the next day you eat 25% of that um, energy requirements. So, for example, if you're eating 2,000 calories, generally, then you would be um, reducing that um, to 500 calories on the day where you're only eating 25% of what you need. And then the other one is the time-restricted feeding or time-restricted eating. And that's when you fast during a set number of hours each day and eat during the remainder of the daily hours. So that can vary for different people from um, fasting for 14 hours, eating for 10 
fasting 16, eating for eight, going right up to sort of um, fasting for 20 hours and eating for four hours, which I think is a very small window to, to, to be eating. And I think that probably the 16 to eight ratio is the easiest to implement and to manage. Um, yeah, and that's the one that I've tried and I, I find that's the easiest to manage. Yeah, yeah. Me personally, when I use it, I find um, that the 1410 works better for me. I can't, I just find that extra two hours is just too long Mm -hmm. before eating. So the 1410, um, and I think maybe the 1410 is a good place to start if it's something new, and then you can, you can build on it from there. And, um, and, and sort of benefits that have, um, people have experienced following um, these different fasting approaches to eating include sort of positive changes in body composition, composition, so that loss of weight or loss of fat. And I think that's one of the key reasons why many people use fasting. Um, higher and more even energy levels, improved quality of sleep as well, and better recovery after endurance exercises. So there are lots of different benefits. But other factors that could influence these um, these positive outcomes include um, that you know it's maybe not just about the fasting; it's just about an overall change in, in a way of eating. Because it could be that an individual is having better quality food plan generally, and the, it's the food that they're eating is of a higher nutrient status, and that the, it's leading to more of um, bl- more blood sugar balance. So there are maybe other factors it's not just about the fasting Mm. yeah so uh, lots lots to lots of potential benefits Mm. what we're saying and i'm just building on what you said karen um i think some of the the pros and cons of fasting uh, are worth just picking um or highlighting at the moment um and we did go into these in quite a lot of detail in that original episode but the the principal sort of pros for doing um, intermittent fasting, as you said, it it promotes weight loss and optimizes body composition, which is a goal for most runners. If it's not to um, weight lose weight, it's a way of managing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps you have more energy and better recovery, and it can also help train your body to switch from glucose to utilizing fat as fuel. So that can be very supportive on long endurance runs now the the potential cons of it the more negative um things to think about is there is a potential for stress and low blood sugar levels which could have a knock-on effect on cortisol levels um cortisol um is the hormone that manages energy by supporting blood sugar balance so if no food's been eaten for several hours and blood sugar drops too low then the adrenals produce cortisol to signal the production of glucose to bring blood sugar balance back into balance um now if you're following an overnight fast blood sugar levels in some people might get too low um, and this could lead to cortisol being activated to bring glucose from the body's store uh, to help provide energy and balance blood sugar and that can also lead to this overall cortisol level being higher than it needs to be um, or or higher than it should be during the day and the knock-on effects of that on other hormones um, can be that it can be disruptive to hormones such as sex hormones and neurotransmitters. So there is a sort of uh, a balance, I think, to be struck. Mm-hmm. And um, I know when I've worked with 
some people. I, I just think it's a tool to be used, um, but you shouldn't be afraid of switching it on, switching it off, depending on what's going on uh, for you personally. Absolutely, Aileen, and, and sort of speaking from um, personal experience, and, and switching it on and switching it off. When I use it, I tend to use it when maybe I'm injured or um, it's an off season, so I'm not doing an awful lot of training. But then as soon as I go into sort of um, more serious or long distance training, then I just can't manage my food uh, in that way because I need so much food. So it is, you know, it is potentially um, for some people um, switching it on and switching it off is going to be more helpful than doing it over the long term. Yeah. And Aileen, you were speaking there about sort of the effects that it could have on on sex hormones. And that's just leading me to think about um, some of the the female factors that um, that we as, as as women need to be considering here. Now, in episode 18, we mentioned that um, if fasting leads to um, a high requirement for cortisol, then that makes um, that takes priority over making the female sex hormones. Um, and you've just mentioned that as well, Aileen, and the knock on effect from that is disruption to hormonal balance and all that um, goes with um, and, and sort of the effect of that hormonal imbalance include the likes of the disrupted periods, um, um, disrupted or, or um, fertility issues, potentially uh, low sex drive, potentially, but also perimenopause and menopause symptoms or an exacerbation of that. And also other hormonally driven um, health conditions as well. And the, and when sort of that cortisol is 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 pulling away from the sex hormones being produced. This is known as cortisol steel, which we've spoken about before. But another couple of factors maybe for women to consider as well, so these female factors would be that women um, appear to lose more weight and percentage body fat than men following fasting. So that's a real positive. And, um, and the metabolism of substrates, so that's the likes of the proteins, the fats and the carbohydrates, uh, are thought to differ between males and females. And this is thought to be influenced or driven by the menstrual cycle and oral contraception. So there could be variations in how our, our macronutrients are metabolized. So those are just a few sort of female factors to consider. OK, so that's uh, that's a nice overview, Karen. We've pulled out some interesting information from episode 18 including the different types of fasting the pros and cons of fasting and then finally the female factors um so could we move on now karen and maybe you could enlighten us on if there's any new information available um in the last sort of uh, year or so um from a scientific point of view with a focus on fasting and sports performance yeah, well, I have to say, then, when I was having a look through, the, there isn't a whole lot of new data available since we published that episode. Um, however, what I did pick up was um, that exercising um, in that fasted state, so which is generally following an overnight fast and then before you've eaten your, your first meal of the day. Now, 
exercising like that allows higher levels of fat oxidation. So using fat as fuel. And we have spoken about this in the past. But this is only beneficial during exercise performed at low to moderate intensity. There's a different outcome when it's with um, high intensity um, exercise. And also it's thought that over time, exercising in this fasted state can help increase the relative intensity at which that maximal fax oxidation occurs. So what it's saying is that Initially, it's at low to moderate intensity exercise. But as you become more efficient at burning fat as fuel, then you can you can continue to do that or or ignite it at higher intensities as well. So so as we know, the efficient use of fat as fuel can support optimal body composition, um, but it could also help preserve glycogen stores, which is obviously really important in endurance sports. Yeah, absolutely, Aileen, as we speak about, about a lot. Now, something else that I picked up on um, regarding sort of the research, the, the, the scientific side of things, is that now there's a, a compound called 5-AMP activated protein kinase, so AMPK for short. Now, this is a compound that acts as, a, as an, an energy sensor, but an energy sensor at cellular level, and it regulates um, cellular and whole body energy balance. And it's actually activated uh, during exercise. And activation of this AMPK can lead to a range of, of different metabolic adaptations, including um, increases in glucose uptake, the fat oxidation, um, but also that um, mitochondrial biogenesis. So what I mean by that is um, more mitochondria being synthesized, being produced. And as we've spoken about many times, they are our energy powerhouses. So really vital for runners. Now, the reason I'm telling you all of this, there is a reason, is that um, some studies have shown that again sort of running in that fasted state uh, has resulted in a greater increase in the activity of the AMPK. Um, now again this has been following um, a one hour steady state endurance exercise session so around 65 to 70 percent VO2 max so that's around that moderate um, um, exercise levels and that, that by by um, exercising in the fasted state that really increases that AMPK activity. Now, what what um, studies have also noted is that exercise performed with normal muscle glycogen levels is that carbohydrate intake then blunts the effect of that AMPK activity. So, in other words, that um, that AMPK is less effective. So there'll be that the, there'll be um, less energy, there'll be less um, glucose uptake, and fat ox- oxidation won't be quite as sufficient either. Um, now, again, looking at these effects, it does appear to occur only during the low to moderate exercise levels and performed uh, for no more than than, than 90 minutes. Um, but like I say, Alien, you know, that's all I found. There wasn't any other new data um, uh, that, that I came across anyway as I was exploring. 
So, so just to summarize, um, what really what I am saying here is that fasting may be beneficial for running, but only during certain types of training. So that low to medium intensity running for a maximum of 90 minutes. Sorry, Aileen, I was expecting you to come. I don't know why I was expecting you to come in with something there. And there was this silence and I thought I'd lost you for a minute. So anyway, shall we take a short advert break now? That seems a good idea. (laughs) Okay. So, um, Often um, women tell us that they're unhappy with the way they look and feel as they transition through midlife, uh, but many women just seem to be resigned to it. And we hear them say, well, that's just the way it is, or it's the menopause, it's my age, I just need to put up with it. Um, so they, they, you know, they're a bit resigned to the situation. So does this sound like you? Weight gain, poor muscle tone, low energy? Well, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be that way. And we as women of a certain age just need to be a bit more strategic in our approach to nutrition and our approach to exercise and lifestyle choices too, so that we can flourish and continue to enjoy our running and everyday lives through midlife and beyond. So to help empower you, we've developed our Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner method. And the magic of of our method is how we deliver it. And at the core of everything, um, what we we focus on is making sure that uh, everything that we ask you to do is easy to implement. So we personally guide you through a simple 90-day step-by-step method. And if you're curious to know more, and we'd love you to uh, join our wait list for the Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner method and be first in line for price offers, bonuses and priority bookings. So the doors for our next program will open soon. Um, if you get on the wait list, you'll be told before anybody else. So we'd really encourage you to do that. We'll put the link in our show notes and all you have to do is click on it and complete the form and leave the rest to us. Um, you can also um, check out our website, runnershealthhub.com, look at work with us and you'll find the Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner and you'll get a lot more information about it. Um, so we'd love you to join us on the wait list and we'll be in touch as soon as we can. Great. Thanks, Aileen. Okay, so now we'll move on and look at some tips on including fasting in your daily life and also for your training. Um, And some of which we did discuss in um, episode 18. So I'm thinking here of um, ways to get the best outcome. And I think one of the ways is that you will have to maybe make some compromises. So um, it's about looking at will you build your food timings around your run training or will it be vice versa so really something to consider now I think I would start with the time restricted eating first I personally feel that the time restricted eating is the one that might best fit and best support a running training schedule and it's certainly the 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 one and the approach that I use like I was saying earlier And an easy way is to run over a following an overnight fast, like I was saying, delaying breakfast and then um, and um, and then sort of introducing food, starting off maybe with the 1410 approach and then building up from there. And this could really encourage the use of um, that fat as fuel, as I was speaking about, and that efficient AMPK activity 
activity, um, both of which could really help encourage that optimal body composition, that sparing of glycogen, especially for the endurance runs, and also increasing mitochondria production. So giving us the energy powerhouses that, that we need to power us along in our running. Aileen, what would you add here? Have you got any tips that you would add? Yeah, well, my biggest um, piece of advice would be to ensure that you've already got everyday nutrition consistently in place before you start trying fasting. So making sure that you're eating um, healthy, good quality food, that you've got plate balance, uh, maybe starting to reduce your carb portion if you uh, if your goal is weight loss, also have good uh, hydration and limit stimulants like caffeine and limit alcohol and, and soft drinks. So if you've got all of that in place, then I would then add fasting on top of it. So don't fast using an unhealthy uh, food plan because it's not going to support you. Um, and then if you think it's required or it might suit your lifestyle better, you could add the calorie restriction or the alter alternate day fasting ideas that Karen described to us earlier on and um, you can adjust that to your new way of eating so my, my big advice is start slowly make adaptations and adjustments you don't have to do everything at once and as with everything you have to practice so um, yeah take it easy that's what I would say and um, pause if you need to and restart if you need to um, so you can see there are various ways of um, introducing fasting into your lifestyle and various ways in which it may support your training um, but just be mindful of the pitfalls um, fasting isn't for everyone and it's not certainly not for a hundred percent of the time um, and that's a bit of a sweep sweeping statement I suppose for some people it might work hundred percent of the time but I think you do have to just be mindful around it um, so Karen um, I think we're probably at the roundup time we did say that we'd keep it short today um, so on that note um, could you give us your key takeaways for this uh, review episode yeah, sure, Aileen. So firstly, what I would say is um, fasting comes in various forms and it's about choosing the approach that fits best with your running training and your lifestyle. And there are strengths and pitfalls to adopting a fasting approach to everyday life and running training. So be sure to weigh these up before you embark on any fasting style. Um, I think also just remember that fasting could impact on sex hormone balance in some women, leading to the likes of disrupted periods, potential fertility issues, low sex drive, perimenopause symptoms and, and other things. Um, and just ensure that you have your everyday healthy eating plan embedded before embarking on fasting. And this is really to help limit its potential effects on blood sugar balance. And finally, remember fasting isn't for everyone, like we've sort of reiterated a couple of times during this episode. It will depend on your training, your lifestyle, your current health as well, and other factors. And then finally, finally, um, for those um, of you who feel they're in a position to introduce this approach to, to your eating, it may be the way to go for 2022, your sort of new year approach to a healthy you. And that would be it, Ailey. 
Okay, thank you, Karen. Uh, it's been really good to review this topic. I can't believe it was quite so long ago that we did it, first of all. Yeah. Um, but hopefully it's helped reiterate the key principles of fasting for all the runners out there. Um, so that just leaves me to say that we both wish you all a very happy Christmas wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And uh, remember, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases. Mm -hmm.